you could turn them to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. It's in the back half of your Bible. Specifically, we'll be looking at portions of Hebrews 1 and 2. So that's in the front half of the book of Hebrews. I love it. I love it when um, you guys share and what do you know? God just kind of echoes some things that he wants us to hear. We're locked in now. It's the last chance, people. Oh, by the way, let me just remind you, in case you've forgotten or you're new here, bathrooms are in this hallway here, men's down here, women's that way. So if you if you need to get up during, during this for a stretch or a bathroom break, it's a good place to go. All right. I'll find Hebrews eventually. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it when God does that, when he just kind of echoes some things. And um, a couple things I heard uh, just shared in this time is, one, that um, God is able. And um, you guys don't believe that, do you? <laughs> That's why I'm preaching to you, because God is able. And I think... Man, we need to be reminded of that. Um, You see, there's a picture that is reality, whether we see it clearly as such or not. And it's a picture of Jesus on his throne in victory. And um, we need to see that. We need to see him clearly as one who has conquered the grave and everything in between this life and that. And if we can get a glimpse of that, then actually I think we, um, we will change as a result of it. And the thought and the truth that God is able will, will do something in our midst. We need to see Jesus for who He is. And He is able. And He is victorious. He is on His throne as we speak in victory. He's not passively sitting by. He's not... Um, idle. He is not powerless, but he is able. Another thing I heard was um, how things don't always go the way we want. (laughs) Anybody ever experienced that? No, of course not. Plans? What are plans? If they can't be interrupted, right? Um, I want to I want to jump into Hebrews tonight and um, address both of those things. Actually, um, we are journeying through this book. Um, I have to be honest with you; I'm a little I'm a little afraid of that. Hebrews is a sort of intimidating book, but I think God has something really valuable for us as we journey through this together. And my prayer as we go through the book of Hebrews is that that our faith would be strengthened. That as we see who Jesus is clearly, as we see our King seated in victory, in power, in authority, in love, that things would change here and now. And that for you and I, that change would start with our hearts, that we would grow more in love with our Maker, our Creator, our King, Jesus. 
And um, in the process that as that occurs, that we would find, we would find out what he has for us, what he has for this church, what he has for each of us individually in this place, because he made you with a purpose. And I believe that as we see who he is, we see who we are. So um, we're jumping into Hebrews. We started a couple weeks ago. I want to just refresh us a little bit um, where we're at. Hebrews 1 has this really uh, pretty amazing introduction. Hebrews, um, it's, we read it as a letter, but it was written to be preached. Um, this message is a sermon to a people that needed to hear a good word. Um, this message was written to a people who were in a tough place, a place where they had said yes to Jesus. They said, we're going to go wherever you take us. And uh, that meant a lot of struggles. That meant a lot of persecution. It meant a lot of suffering as a result of them saying yes to Jesus. But it also meant that they had found a hope that was theirs. So they began to follow Jesus, but they hit this place that was... um, a rough patch in their walk, and, and they, had, they had experienced suffering, they had experienced persecution in a way that probably none of us in this room have. They walked with God, and then they hit this point of, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. You see, they, they had a plan when they followed Jesus, and, or they had an expectation, and that expectation was that the king who came to save us would return. And he would return quickly. And, and so they, they endured suffering, but in sight was the return of this king. They said, well, we can wait it out for a little while. But they waited and they waited. And, and after a while, they, they began to think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he's not coming back for us. Maybe we were mistaken. Maybe the guy we said yes to is not the guy that we should have said yes to. So they're in this place of, of wrestling with expectations not met, with things not going according to plan. And, and the writer of Hebrews, he, he, he writes this word, he speaks this word, it's actually meant to be read all the way through. We're not going to do that today, but I encourage you, I encourage you to do it. Um, in home group this past week, I, I said, guys, um, I didn't tell them this ahead of time because they might not show up, but we're going to just listen to the whole book of Hebrews, and it's going to be good. And, and it was. It, it's, it's written to be heard, and it's meant to be heard all the way through. This is a sermon, okay? Um, so he speaks these words to a people who need to be encouraged, need to be encouraged to continue in the way that they first said yes to Continue to seek after this man who their hope is found in. So that's kind of the context for the book of Hebrews. And we get this introduction. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. So this is the introduction to this book. And and the writer is saying, God has spoken. He's writing and he's speaking to a people who um, come from a Jewish tradition. They, They heard words spoken through the prophets, through through the scriptures, through different people at different times. And Jesus comes and he, he begins this argument by explaining to them the, the God that you followed, the God that you've heard about, the God that you grew up, the, the, the God that you've heard about your whole life has spoken something uniquely significant through this man, Jesus. He goes on to say at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. What the writer is saying is that what you have heard in Jesus, what God has spoken through the Son, and that's what he calls him. It's interesting. The whole first chapter, we don't hear the name Jesus. All we hear is Son, 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 and what he's trying to tell us is this man, Jesus, has a uniquely qualified position and everything he says is uniquely qualified. So listen to it. He's the son of God. And in fact, the description he gives is he says he is the exact representation, the exact image of the father. The God that you grew up hearing about, the God that you grew up believing, this Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the exact representation. So listen to what he says. Pay careful attention that you do not drift away from the word that you have heard through him. That's what the writer is saying. So he's encouraging them. And it's a, it's a, it's a strengthening word, but it's a word of warning, a word of caution. As if he's saying that there is nothing else that is coming that you can hear that can top what God has spoken through the Son. So pay attention. Um, it's kind of maybe a little weird for us. We live in a, a day and age where technology and things just keep coming, new things, and, and we're, we're forward-looking. You guys know what I mean by that? Like, we, we, we're... As a society, our hope is in the future in a way of like maybe something new will come along that will take us to a higher place that we've ever been before. The I something six or seven, but you know, actually they're just getting getting worse. Um, I won't go into that. I, I'm not an Apple user. Um, some of you are like, I'll pray for you. Um, But there's a word here that what we need and our hope is not somewhere in the future, but it's already been revealed. It's already been revealed. I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about hope. 
because the people that the writer of Hebrews was speaking to, they were lacking hope. They were in a desperate place. They were in a place of disappointment and of despair. Why? Because things didn't go the way they thought they were going to go. It really doesn't take long following Jesus before something doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Anybody? (laughs) I don't know what you were promised when you got into this thing. But we will be disappointed. We will experience things not going according to plan. Disappointment is potentially the enemy of hope. If we let it. Disappointment can ruin hope or it can refine hope. Disappointment can ruin or it can refine hope. I want to speak about hope tonight. And what I want you guys to know is that hope is vital. Hope is essential. We need it. We need hope to live. If we are hopeless, that's not a good place to be. Um, Proverbs says it like this. It says says that um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a promise fulfilled is life-giving. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled is life-giving. I believe that's Proverbs thirteen twelve. Um, I know we're supposed to be in Hebrews. This is what hope means. Um, in case you haven't ever looked it up, Webster says it's to desire with expectation of obtainment. It's to expect with confidence. Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had. We were meant to hope. We were created to have this thing called hope inside of us for something, for someone. And I want to say, like the writer of Hebrews is telling this people and telling us that our hope is meant to be ultimately found in the person of Jesus Christ. There's this picture later in Hebrews of hope being our anchor. The thing that, that grounds us, that keeps us from swaying. That's what he says, don't drift away. And he's calling them back to the place where they first put their hope. In this man, Jesus. And in what he came to bring to them. So I want you guys to know tonight that you are called to hope. Some of you have had disappointment steal hope. Some of you have expected things from God that haven't happened. And it has left you. It has robbed you of your hope. The writer of Hebrews goes on. He says to pay attention 
And he tells us why. He says, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. That might sound a little scary. I don't think that the writer here is trying to scare us. I think he's trying to give us a sobering picture that God has revealed something that is worth hoping in, something that we will never find anywhere else. And that he has gone out of his way to reveal this thing to us, this great salvation. And he says, there is no other hope. There's no other place worthy of putting your ultimate hope but in this man and what he's done. He goes on to, as we're going to see throughout the book of Hebrews, unfold why our hope is meant to be firmly established and rooted in in Jesus. And he goes on and he, he explains it like this. He says, It's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind? that you are mindful of them, a son of man, that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. I want you to pay attention here. In putting everything under them, who's them? He's talking about us. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I don't know if you you catch it in this passage, but there is a tension in this passage. You see, when he writes to this people, he knows that they've been going through some stuff. He knows that they're struggling in their faith. He knows that they've been suffering. He knows that they are this close to just giving up. And in the first chapter, he reminds them that the Son is uniquely qualified to finish what he started, to bring and to usher in their salvation and to complete it. And then in chapter 2, he kind of switches slightly. And, And he says, there's one that you've given a privilege to, that you're mindful of, that you've actually subjected everything to. Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about the people that he has created. But he says, everything has been subjected to them. Everything is under their authority. And yet, not everything has been made subject. Do you understand? (laughs) Let me explain it. Okay. He says, he has given the authority over everything. 
through the Son to us. And yet, not everything is subject to the people of God. Not everything is going according to plan. Not everything is the way it is in heaven on earth. Do you remember that prayer? Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer of bringing the change that comes through Jesus into our midst. It's a prayer of bringing Jesus who is seated on his throne in victory, bringing that victory here now. You guys follow me? I'm getting some, some um, dazed looks. Just If you're not following me, just shake your head like this. It's okay. I'll, I'll try to work on it some more. If you're brave enough, okay, that's fine. I will take your silence to mean that we need to figure this out a little bit more. <laughs> it's a weird transition, but he's speaking about this tension that exists in the midst of this people and in our midst too. Think about it. If Jesus is on his throne in victory, why don't we see that victory displayed here now? If Jesus has given his people everything that he has, we're told that every spiritual blessing is ours through Jesus. That's not just so we can feel good and get to heaven. It's so that we can bring what he has here. But we don't see everything under his lordship right now, do we? We don't see everything change. We don't see everything come to fruition. We don't see everything displaying that Jesus is king, that his kingdom is here. But we know his kingdom is here, and yet at the same time, it's, it's not yet. There is a tension. We live in the in-between. Are you guys following me? We live in the in-between. The people in this book lived in the in-between. They had seen God work. They had seen miracles. They had seen the risen king at work. And they had seen disappointment. I imagine they had seen things prayed for that did not come to pass. I imagine they prayed for people who were in prison that did not get released. Imagine they saw brothers and sisters killed for the gospel. I don't know about you, but that would really be tough. They were facing disappointment. They were facing the tension of knowing that Jesus is king and he is seated on his throne. And at the same time, having not yet seen that come to fruition. I believe we live in the same realm. We live in this in-between where disappointment is inescapable. Where things not going according to plan is part of the plan. (laughs) And at the same time, there's this thing called hope. And we need it. Why? Because we're not powerless. We are not meant to sit by idle. We are not... Just subject to whatever will be, will be. It's not karma. We, if we're the people of God, we've been brought in to everything that's His. That's what 
the writer is reminding them. And he says, I know you live in this tension where you don't see everything that you pray for answered. I know you live in this tension where when you cry out to Jesus, not everything that you've cried out for has been made manifest here. But we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Are you guys following me? Why is that important? This thing of hope, I think that, like I said earlier, it is vital to us right now. Some of us are a little low on hope. Some of us have experienced things not going according to plan, and we're like, God, what are you doing? And the answer a lot of times is, maybe we just need to lower our expectations. Have you heard this thing, um, well, um, I don't want to get my hopes up. Why? Why don't you want to get your hopes up? Can anyone answer? Because you don't want to be disappointed, right? I've said that one before. If you don't want to be disappointed, the easiest way is to not get your hopes up. But I don't think that's the best answer. We were meant to hope. We were meant to dream. We were meant to live this thing and, and bring in this thing that we've heard, which is the good news, which is the kingdom of God, which is the change, the truth that God is able and he is doing something and we are a part of it. That takes hope. If you can't do that for your own life, if you are lacking for even yourself, <laughs> how can we usher that in for someone else? Now hear me. I believe God wants to restore hope tonight. And he wants to restore it starting with you. Starting with the disappointment that maybe you're holding on to right now. And I believe he's able to. He's able to. So, disappointment, like I said earlier, it can either ruin our hope or it can refine our hope. And this is what I mean. We always have a choice what we do with things not going according to plan. We always have a choice. We have the ability to respond to those things and to either let them refine our hope or ruin our hope. We can say, God... You're at fault for this. I'm going to blame you because I've heard you're sovereign. I heard you're in control. And I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to just stop dreaming. Stop hoping. Or we can say, God, refine my hope. Show me where my hope really needs to be. I think that sometimes when we go through disappointment, sometimes it is that our hope is placed in the wrong things. And we need God to refine our hope so that it is solely in Him. So that we see Jesus more than anything else. Sometimes I think our hope is in other stuff, that those things, those people... Those circumstances working out the way we want is going to complete us. And I want you to know, let me save you some trouble. That's not true. 
And it's not that God doesn't want you to have good things. All good things come from God. But those things in and of themselves cannot complete you. Your hope is meant to be in something bigger than getting the right job, finding the right relationship, having the stuff that you really want. Hear me. Saying in love, that is not going to complete you. And that is ultimately not where your hope is meant to be. So I believe sometimes disappointment is God saying, I want to refine your hope so that it is focused on what really matters. I believe other times, other times, we just need to keep hoping. Say, God, I don't know why that didn't work out, but I'm going to continue to ask you for good things. I'm going to continue to believe that you have my best interest in mind. And you know how we can know that? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. We can know that God has our best interest in mind. Sometimes it's not you being happy right now in this moment. That's tough for us to swallow. He has your eternal interest in mind. He has like your eternal joy in mind, which is way better than just some fleeting happiness. You guys hearing me? Okay, I'm preaching a little bit. I hope that's all right. I believe God wants to restore hope tonight. And I believe part of that is he wants us to keep hoping. If we stop hoping, we stop dreaming. If we stop dreaming, we take ourselves out of participating with God here and now. You have a unique privilege. You have a unique place, each one of you. You're in a spot that no one else is in, literally. That seat, no one else can be there right now, David. It's true. You're in a spot that no one else is in. Another way of saying that, God has made you uniquely. He has given you passions that nobody else has. He has given you a purpose that no one else can accomplish or fulfill. There is an invitation there. An invitation to dream. An invitation to hope. And if hope is gone, what's left? I believe God wants our hope to ultimately be in Him. For Him to be our anchor. And as that becomes clear, He wants us to hope and dream with Him. He has called us into this thing. We're not just sitting around. We can know His will, and we can be a part of ushering it in. That's what Hebrews 2 is reminding us. It goes on to say that that Jesus, as the Son, welcomes us into the family. As sons and daughters. He delights to call us part of his family. If you don't hear the invitation there, listen, it's there. God is saying, I want you to be a part of this thing. I didn't just rescue you so you can walk idly and aimlessly and hopelessly through this life. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop preaching now. And I'm just going to invite God to do that tonight. He is with us in this thing. He is for us in this thing. And He wants our hope to be restored.
He wants us to begin to live again, to begin to dream again. And I think part of that is letting go of some disappointment. Saying, God, I'm not going to hold that against you. Saying, God, I'm going to get back up. And I'm asking you to restore hope in my life. I'm asking you to take this thing that's been barren and dead and hopeless and to bring and breathe life on it. Does that sound like a good prayer? <laughs> All right, let's pray. And um, <clears throat> in a few minutes, if you need some more focus prayer on that we have some people we have leaders that will be more than happy to pray with you um so we're gonna make time for that we just um yeah yeah let's pray jesus i thank you that that our hope comes from you. I thank you that everything worth hoping for in this life flows from you. I thank you that every good thing comes from your hand. And you delight as we delight in your gifts. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the truth that there's something bigger than that. There's one worthy of all our trust, all our hope, all our expectation, all our confidence. And it's you. It's you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray tonight in this place, in this moment for restoration. For restoration. That you would do a work in our hearts, God. A restoring work. Lord, right now, if there's any disappointment that has led to distance, God. Lord, we give it over to you. Just pray that in your heart. Pray that to him right now. Say, God, I give you my disappointment. And just turn to receive. Turn to receive. Say, God, restore hope. Restore hope. Refine my hope, God. Refine it. Lord, show me where there's things that I've hoped in that are insignificant, that don't really matter as much as I thought. Draw me closer to you. And God, would you speak to us about the things that really do matter. The things that we need to continue to press in for. The things that we need to continue to seek your face for, God. 
believing in faith, God, that this hope will not disappoint. The hope that we have in you will not disappoint. Lord, I pray you would revive dreams tonight, God. I pray you would revive prayers, God. Boldness in this place. That we wouldn't let external circumstances and experiences dictate what we ask for, what we believe you for, what we dream for, God. We need a hope that is bigger than us. Thank you, Jesus. It's you. It's you. Would you show us who you are? Lord, I pray if there's for lacking clarity, God. Lacking understanding. Discernment, God. That it would come as we fix our gaze on you. As we fix our eyes on your eyes, on your beauty.